Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar Magazine, sponsored by Phi Beta Kappa. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastic. Everywhere but where I live, and maybe where you live, it seems like things are slowly creeping back towards how it was before the pandemic, or at least slowly getting less awful. In New York City, the High Line is reopening a little bit more of its 1.5-mile length to a socially distanced public. Even though I don't live in New York City, it warms my heart to think that a couple more blocks of that beloved, reclaimed railroad are open for people to wander around in, in a park one story above street level. So this week, we're looking back to an interview from the spring of 2017, when I walked along the High Line, definitely less than six feet apart, from the architecture critic Sarah Williams Goldhagen. Her book, Welcome to Your World, is about how people experience the built environment, not just as individuals, but as groups of people living together in cities or towns. She weaves together research in cognitive psychology and neuroscience to explain how the buildings we encounter every day shape our feelings, our memories, and our well-being. And a spot that holds a lot of memories for me, and a lot of you, judging by the millions of tourists who visit every year, is the High Line. So here we are with Sarah Williams Goldhagen, nestled in among the birch trees and the railroad trestles. I'm very glad you asked me to do this interview here because I thought that's perfect. I can talk about what we think, how we feel, and also how we interact with others. The High Line is really just sort of a perfect place to look at the interaction of the social and individual experience. I lived here in the 1980s. And if you were at all intrepid, uh, which I was in the 1980s, um, this was just an abandoned railroad trestle. And it was a cool thing that people did to sort of figure out how to get your way up here. And it was basically crabgrass and goldenrod and saplings. And it was just this kind of wild, incredible place. And when they decided to make this into a public park, uh, the people who, who got the commission for the design wanted to keep some of that wildness. That being said, it's also a public park. It's very heavily trafficked. The datum that they had to work with was railroad tracks, weeds, <laughs> a cast iron balustrade, which survived in some parts of it and not in others, and views over the Hudson 
in and out. It goes through the bellies of some buildings and so on and so forth. We're starting at 14th Street, right down at the beginning of the High Line, where nature predominates. Um, there's a lot of plants and trees that screen your views of other people. Things are in bloom, and so there's just lots and lots of green. As we walk, I'll explain the approach that the designers took to the High Line, which is basically a really fascinating mix of curated naturalism and theatricality. Among the really smart things the designers did was they took the railroad trestles and tracks as the design datum. And so basically they made these linear concrete pavers that keep you moving and follow the line of the high line, but also break out into finger-like projections. One of the things we know about how people think now, which we really didn't know even 15 years ago, is that people think a lot through their bodies in metaphors. So these things really almost look like fingers that spread out into the dirt, even though there are signs everywhere that say, stay on the path. (laughs) (laughs) Which we'll do, since we mostly like to follow the rules here on Smarty Pants, and it's actually really easy to stay on the path because it is, after all, built on a railroad track. Um, What were the challenges with building a, a park on such a linear course like this? One of the design problems in the High Line was it's basically just a big long line, right? And um, what people tend to do in big long lines that have paths in them is just walk and that's it. The designers really needed to figure out where they could open things up at moments and so we're standing in a part of the park where the trestle actually expanded because trains had to turn around and so on here. And so what that allowed the designers to do was to split the levels. So one level goes a little lower, maybe five feet lower than the other level. And what that allows you to do is that the bodies of other people turn into spectacles themselves that you view as you're walking. So it becomes this very social experience, almost in the way that like a theater lobby will be a social experience with lots of different levels so that people can look at other people and then you can look at them looking at you, which is a really great way to keep any space animated. I mean, one thing about the built environment is it's static, right? It's inert. Uh, and so how do you activate that? One of the things that the designers did was take one of the railroad trestles and construct these chez longes and some of these benches are actually on wheels so you can move them back and forth into different configurations based on who you do or don't want to talk to i did not know about that i i actually only realized it this morning You learn something new every time. Exactly, exactly. And I have to say that some of them are a little harder to move than other. I'm not sure it was an entirely successful (laughs) design move, but a very smart one. You can interact with it. You can move with it. You can put your fingers in the dirt. You can do all these different stuff with it, which is, uh, I mean, it's designed for us in the bodies that we are, with the minds that we have, to become a place that we want to come back to over and over again. It's it's always changing, and we can change it.
And here we're passing through some of the parts of the High Line with a lot of views of the street and uh, not many buildings around us. So one of the things that's cool about the High Line is that you're elevated one level up from the street and you're walking between buildings. And since the High Line was finished, there's been a lot of high-end residential development uh, that's come up around the High Line, which means that if you walk through it, you're not only looking at the people on the High Line, but you're also looking at people in their apartments uh, or in gallery spaces or whatever. And they're looking at you and you're looking at them and uh, you sort of create this interesting breaking down of boundaries between public and private space, which is a little uncanny and a little weird, but also a lot cool. The unfortunate part of this is that the city, which is typical of cities, I have to say, did not choose to protect the space around the High Line uh, and allowed all of these developments, which are still under construction, some of them, to butt up, in many cases, right against the High Line itself. So as wonderful as the space as it is now and has been ever since it opened, it's going to get progressively less wonderful because there's going to be more and more luxury real estate development right on it, which steals light away from what makes the High Line so great. One of my favorite parts of the High Line, actually, is the view of the Hudson that you get occasionally, which we can actually see right here. Sarah, what's going on in this spot? So through a very light screen of trees, you basically have two very large warehouse buildings compressing and framing your view out, and then just a little sliver of the Hudson River. So they use a lot of opportunities to knit you back into the city at the same time that you're in this planted green space. As a lot of what I'm talking about, these are the kinds of stimuli that we have that come into us from our environments that we don't really register consciously. Most of what we register in our environments is not conscious. It's non-conscious, but also most of what we think is non-conscious. Uh, and so just because, just because a place is inert or not static doesn't mean it's not profoundly affecting what you're thinking and what you're doing. So we're at 34th Street and we've walked like 20 blocks, which is way more exercise than I usually get doing the podcast. But conveniently, there are rows of seats right here and a little wooden bleachers, I guess. Um, Thank you, Highline designers, for that. And uh, maybe you can tell us, Sarah, a little bit about why you wrote the book. Uh, What pushed you to combine all of these concepts and studies from psychology uh, with architecture? I wrote the book because there are are a number of answers to that question. The most immediately comprehensible answer is that I've been teaching in architecture schools for 15 years and art history departments to some extent. And I would look at these projects and I would say, well, you know, what does a person see when they walk inside here? And what kind of materials are they going to be looking at? And how are you, you know, what kind of experience uh, is someone who's using this building going to have? 
And quite often, really surprisingly often, the answer I would get is, well, we can't really talk about how people experience spaces because, you know, experience is all subjective. And I'm a big believer in cultural relativism, and I know that people in 16th century China didn't think the same way that people in 21st century New York do um, or America do. But more and more, I became frustrated with that answer. I thought, well, wait a minute. We all walk on two legs unless we're disabled have bodies that are upright, have eyes that have that can see certain things and process visual information the way that they can. So I began to think, you know, I've been talking for 20 years about all the ways that uh, that experiencing the built environment is different. Now I want to talk about what's the same, what isn't different. Uh, and there are certainly better things that we can say about that than it's all subjective. Uh, so that's one answer. Um, the other thing is that I began reading studies about how non-logical most of what we think is and how influenced by our environment. I mean, one of the early studies that I read, which I, just, I still love, was called the clipboard experiment, where uh, researchers gave subjects clipboards and said okay you're gonna go interview a candidate for a job what the subjects didn't know is that some of the clipboards were really heavy and some of the clipboards were really light after they had interviewed the candidates they asked the interviewers to score the candidates on all sorts of different dimensions, how qualified they were for the job, and this and that and so on. And one of the dimensions was gravitas, or intellectual weight. Lo and behold, the people holding the heavier clipboards scored the subjects as having more intellectual heft than the people holding the light clipboards. And I thought, you know, that's it. If, if such a small thing in our environment can so profoundly influence our assessment of other people, then there's got to be a zillion ways that people aren't really thinking about that are influencing us. Psychologists call these primed. We're basically being primed by the built environment all the time. And that's why we need to manage it better and to have more control over what people are being primed with in the environments they inhabit every day. I mean, I live in East Harlem. East Harlem has one of the highest percentages of social housing in the United States. And I walk out and I look at these housing projects. NYCHA, the New York City Housing Authority, is chronically underfunded. And these things were never great in terms of design and they're horribly maintained. So they have scaffolding on them all the time and garbage in front of them and the windows are tiny and the apartments are tiny and and I, I look at these buildings and I say these buildings are simply shouting to their inhabitants that they don't matter. Their lives don't matter. Uh, and with better design they would be in a better place in their world. So the built environment has profound effects on people and for the last 20 years people have been 
talking a lot about the mind-body connection. And basically what I'm saying is, well, there's a third component in that, which is the environment. It's really the mind-body environment connection that we need to be thinking about and really analyzing. Thanks so much for walking with us. It was really a pleasure. Hopefully you've been inspired to look at the world a little differently. In a couple minutes after the episode, wherever you are, whether it's on a hike in nature or walking your dog down the street or finishing up some gardening, whatever, take a few minutes to consider the world around you. What do you see in your environment? What are the unconscious forces at work? Check in with yourself. Listen. Do a body check. And keep these things in mind. That's it for Smarty Pants. Take care and stay sharp. Woke up, it was a Chelsea morning and the first thing that I knew There was milk and toast and honey and a bowl of oranges too And the sun poured in like butterscotch and stuck to all my senses Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.